You've heard of the law of attraction. You've likely even tried some of the old school manifestation techniques. Why, after saying hundreds of positive affirmations and constantly attempting to get into some high vibe state, does it feel like nothing is shifting? It's likely because you aren't manifesting from your unique energetic alignment. Want to find out how you can manifest more consistently and effectively? Take the short, fun, and informative quiz that we created and learn how to understand and utilize your energy to create abundance in your business. Go to www.manifestationquiz.com and take the quiz today. This is the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Demas. Let's go. Okay, my friends, welcome back to the podcast. First, thank you so very, very much for spending your time with me. I know how precious our time is, and the fact that you're here really is so heartwarming to me, and I am so appreciative of you. So thank you so much. I know you're going to enjoy today's episode because this is a magical human being (laughs) walking this planet. In fact, our mutual friend, Morgana McCabe-Allen, who several of you know, if you've listened to the podcast, you've listened to episode of her, perhaps. If not, I can hit it on the show notes so you can hear her. I call her Magical Morgana. And Magical Morgana hooked me up with this other magical human being. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's, I just can't wait to see what comes out for today. You guys are in for a ride. Gonna be good. <laughs> ride or die, friend. Ride or die. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. So Morgana did introduce us, and part of the reason she did is she just said, "You all have so much in common. Mm. You're just kind of like similar people." And at the time, I thought, "Uh huh, sure, whatever." <laughs> but then we got on a call on a Zoom in this, you know, newfangled world we live in, Zoom, and she was right. There's just some some real connection there between us, but also some synergy in terms of what we do and who we are in the world. So I'm going to have you introduce yourself, but before we go there, <laughs> my first question for you is what does the word creativity mean to you? Oh, It means open. It means exploration. It means revealed. Birth, you know, the creativity is just what comes out of you when you have all the senses in place, when you have a knowing of yourself and you can just be in, in this beautiful I don't know, like creative space. It's just that energy that comes out when things are really beautifully aligned and even beautifully aligned in pain, just FYI, not just at all like, oh, I'm so happy. Right? Love and light, unicorns. <laughs> but really just, and being, allowing yourself to be that expression of the fullest you is creativity for me. Yeah, I I love the first word you said was open. Because I think of you as an incredibly open person. I'll let you introduce. I I thought I was going to let you introduce. I thought I began to introduce you, but I'm going to let you do it anyway for yourself. So tell everyone what it is that you do. 
Again, my name is Rachel Freeman Sowers. I am a visibility coach and a licensed marriage family therapist. I work with people in the LGBTQ plus and female communities and helping break free from the toxic social constructs, expectations, and beliefs that have been holding you back from experiencing your life exactly the way that you want to. And my professional and personal motto is being 100% yourself, 100% of the time, no shame or guilt needed. Okay. That's it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Which, <laughs> which you know, why I think of you as so open. You mentioned being 100% you mm. all the time. No shame, no guilt. How do you get there? How did you do that? Oh, well you know, this is a work in progress. Let's not fool anybody. We're not in here. We're not on this podcast to say like, Oh, do this one thing. And then you're healed forever. That's not how it works. Right. It's, it's allowing yourself to see so many parts of yourself without that judgment. I mean, like, come on, we are taught to self shame 24 seven. And the things that we see wrong in the world or that we, um, that are not, I don't know, aligned, then we take on as our own stuff, right? It's all me. It's what, and it's a hundred percent yourself is how to get to know yourself and how to say like, there are all these beautiful parts of me. There's all these painful parts that I've had experiences. There's like the true self. And when I acknowledge and heal through all of these and love all these parts of me, as corny as it sounds, then I don't wonder who I am anymore. I know exactly who I am and therefore operate from that space, that heart space, every single moment of the day. Yeah, I try to make those darker spaces my friend. Yep. Can they be my best friend? Mm-hmm. Right. There's always lessons from them. There's always learnings. Mm-hmm. There's always teachings. But also it's this this like radical acceptance of, mm-hmm. of that part of myself. Do you think that being a LGBTQ person shaped that for you? When you say shaped that. How you viewed yourself and the shame and the guilt that you dealt with. My shame and guilt did not start at being LGBTQ plus. I don't believe anyone's shame actually starts there. Especially for those of us in this community. It started with religious trauma. It started with toxic social constructs that already told me I wasn't good enough. And then when I tried and I wanted to be who I am, it was even worse. Now you're even more not good enough. Like, I know that's not grammatically correct, but like now there's even more things wrong with you, right? Now you just don't fit in that much more. Now you're going to hell. Now I can't accept you. Now whatever all of us have heard. I think it is... It is a challenge for people in the LGBTQ plus community and other marginalized communities to function in a world that's, that has been built by somebody totally different than us and people who live in fear. Yeah, I so get that. Back up for me mm-hmm. to this religious. Oh, we're going to go deep in it now. Lord help us. Lordy, Lordy. Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) Yeah, this omnipresence that permeates our society, particularly in America, of religion. 
how did that play? Because you said, no, it, it was there. It was way back there. Mm-hmm. Explain that to me. How were you raised or what What was that 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 existed for you? So I was raised in the church my whole entire life, went to Christian school, wore nylons every day, dressed skirt below my knees, uh, all of it, right? I've been a preacher's daughter, just I don't think you've known that. So I was a preacher's daughter for a while. This is the new one. That's what got me pregnant in the first place. You know, all preachers. Just joking. (laughs) Anyway, so like the shame that you even are given. I was given shame in that religious construct. I was given shame of saying that if I did these things, I wasn't going to be able to go to heaven. I, if I acted in these ways. And I remember sitting in the pew so often in church while the preacher is up there saying something. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me why you get to stand up there and behind the scenes, you get to do all this stuff. And yet, even as a woman, as a young woman and whatever, like I'm taught, this is how I have to behave, but you behave however you want. Like I've never been on board with that. And that's gotten me in a lot of trouble, but I don't regret one single bit of it. And it's, we're taught, we're taught these things. And then, I mean, the church I was in, this is going to date me, like Ronald Reagan was president. I remember, like I picketed outside adult bookstores with wow. my family. Wow. We, my, um, I grew up in the Bay Area. We were outside in my dad's truck. We were getting ice cream and these two gay guys walked by and my brother's like, oh my God, look at those gay guys. I mean, like it was ingrained in us that these things were not what would equal your salvation. And there's so much shit that's carried on from that for years in the most formative years of our lives. I tried, well, I rebelled and I rebelled and I rebelled. And then I was just labeled and labeled and labeled and labeled. Right. And, you know, if it's generational, I don't know how it's been for you, but you know, my parents have been in the church. My mom was Catholic. My dad was you know, Baptist or whatever. And I mean, we went from Southern Baptist to conservative. I mean, like we are in the tent. We were like all the things. You're in the trenches. Yeah. And so it was kind of like, okay, as you go through that, when I finally decided to come out, when I knew what I knew and I was like, okay, I'm going to be brave enough. You know, I'd had a child by then. I've never been married, had never been married then. And the first thing my mom said was, Um, well, what's going to happen to Bethany, my daughter? So it's like, we carry these things on for generations. Like it's passed down to us. It's not because I chose it. I didn't. She was like, yeah, please let me come out of this womb and then just be automatically self-shaming because that's how I want to live my life. No, we're taught it. And it affects us when we, we can see how it stops us from being a hundred percent ourselves. And then we take on that as our own shit. And I'm here to let everyone know that's listening, just like you are, that that's not yours. And it's time to say adios, hasta la vista, no more to those things. So we can be free. Yeah, I um, did not grow up in a religious mm. family or household. My father was Catholic, but he had lots of trouble with the Catholic Church. My mother was sort of this general Christian we believed, I'm using quote air quotes here, in God, 
And in being a good person, it was like the golden rule was big and integrity was big in my home, but we never went to church until my grandmother came to visit. And then it was, we're going to church. We're going to church. And I was like, why are we going to church now? Because grandma's here. Like, and I was like sitting in the back of the pew. I had to go, you know, did the whole thing. I sat in the back of the pew and my, my father was sitting in front of me and I was whispering, hypocrite Mm. Hypocrite. he was like shut up i was like hypocrite because it was so absurd to me Mm -hmm. but even with that because i grew up in the 80s like you this ronald reagan time of conservatism of not dissimilar to what we're experiencing now in terms of backlash and uh, of a movement Mm -hmm. there was just this heaviness Mm. about religion and about God. I remember being 16 years old, laying in bed and praying to a God I didn't know to not make me gay. Mm. 14, I guess I was. Praying, please don't make me gay. Please, 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 please. Go. I'll do anything. Mm. I'll do anything, God, to not be gay. But I knew I was. And what that did was this sense of guilt and shame that you're talking about was so deep even though I wasn't even raised in it. That's what's even crazier when you think about it, but it's so part of our culture and it's so put on to you that just by being in the world, that was given to me. Yeah. That construct, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's like the only choice. Yeah. Here, you can have peas. I don't want peas, I want carrots. Here, you can love a man I don't want to love a man I want to love a woman it's like you're given one choice and we're like oh okay well you know we go along with it or we try and make ourselves go along with it and that's the thing like I didn't just get here like by doing a couple of meditations and you know eating the right food like that's not how I got to be 100% myself I had to go deep like you're saying deep into these depths of of myself and say hey I can be okay in this space. I can see these parts of me and be like, hey, that was never mine in the first place. And we're going to lift ourselves out of here because we don't need to be down there anymore. Yeah. And it, and it had to be there for some time for me. Yep. I, you know, I had terrible anxiety and stress and I, you know, I physically used to shake, literally mm-hmm. would shake without realizing I, I, I was shaking. My body was in such hyperactive state from, now granted, there were other things of trauma and abuse on top of that physical and sexual abuse on top of, but that root issue of the shame was the same. Mm -hmm. And it caused a physical manifestation in me even. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious how it manifested for you early on. Oh, well, like you, massive, massive anxiety. And like, I've been highly, highly intuitive my whole entire life. Like I have some really beautiful gifts that I've been given. Yeah. And it manifested in that high anxiety. My body would also shake, like, because it's just overwhelmed. It would manifest itself in such confusion. Like, wait, this, this isn't making sense. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. 
like do under others as you would have them do unto you. And yet that's, that doesn't make sense the way you're, you're telling me to do that. And you're not doing the same thing like that massive confusion, a lot of tears, like a lot of tears and just general. I mean, at one point I shared on my podcast this last, um, this episode that's coming out this week, but at one point suicidal ideation, same because you're like how i don't this i don't even fit here and it's only been through this part of me that saying i'm i'm not fucking doing that so what was that that's what i want to know like what is that moment for you what was it for you that the shift began where the healing began where you knew to say no more I was lying in bed and I could see my life. It's almost like I was outside of myself. So I was in bed. I was recovering from my first surgery. I could see my life. I could see all the shit, all the ways that there was chaos. That's another way of manifested chaos. It's all like, like constantly everywhere. And noticing and seeing myself how broken I was and that if I didn't heal myself, if I didn't go within myself, there's not someone that's going to come along and just pick me up and heal me. And this is where all that rebellion comes in really handy. And that gumption, right? I love that word gumption. It was like, nope, this is, this is not what I desire for my life. And I refuse to believe anybody that says this is how it has to be. And I said, I, I need to change these things. And I knew what I needed to change. And I left complete friend groups. I stopped talking to people. And this may not be how other people have to do it, but that's how I had to do it. And I was like, no, it's, I'm committing to myself now. Because this is my fucking life. No one's living my life. No one's going to pay my bills. No one's coming to do any of that. It's my life. Start acting like it's my life. I love that. I did what they call, you know, you call a location. I ran away from home. Mm. Not, I mean, I was, I was 19. I wasn't 16 running away from home. I was an adult, but I ran from Michigan to New York city in the guise of, I'm going to be a Broadway performer. And, but really in older version, me now can look back and say, oh, you were running to get out mm. of that feeling. The rebel in you actually is what fueled your fire to be successful. Mm. So there's gifts to this as well, right? Yes. There's lots of gifts. But once I got there and I actually had down moments because the path of Broadway is nonlinear, it's highs and lows. I, in the lows, I had to sit in my shit mm-hmm. and actually look at myself and realize the, the intense amount of shame that I was feeling and that I just carried it and took it with me. Yeah. I had gotten rid of it because I ran away. But when you run away with the circus, the circus is still there. Real, no joke. You know? Right. And I think this is, this may be where it's interesting how yours was at a younger age. I was like probably 27. I had had a kid. She was so many years old and I was like, Maybe even more than 27. Lord, it's a long time ago. But it's kind of like, if I didn't change it then, like, it was just going to be my life. And so I really could see 
Like you, you ran away and then could see. I lived that whole entire time and then was like, bam, now I can see it. But I didn't see it till probably 27 either. Mm. Because I was so running. It was like, you know, a hamster that was on a hamster wheel that just kept running in circles and circles and circles. And there was Mm. chaos in my life. I attracted a new type of chaos, like you were saying. Oh, Lord, so much chaos. So much, right? In relationships, in Mm -hmm. friendships, in even, I know this sounds a little, you know, woo, but even in terms of like, I got mugged twice, Mm -hmm. once at gunpoint, like I was attracting and drawing all this. I was in that energetic field Mm -hmm. of absolute chaos. And it wasn't until I stopped and sat and really tuned in and listened and found a teacher that my life began to shift. So after you had that moment of, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, okay, something has to change. How did you begin to do that process or what was that process for you? Well, the process for me was, I guess part of that process was advocating, was entering into multiple different kinds of learning So I don't know if you know this about me either, but I have like a partial PhD in mind, body medicine, integrative mental health. So really diving into like an educational kind of system in which gave me tools to heal myself and arenas to do that. Right. Yeah. Funny that I left with the PhD program because it was either my health, my marriage or the PhD and I ditched the PhD and took my marriage and my health. So, you know, but it's like incorporating myself in those things. I did a little bit of therapy and that helped a little bit, but it was more, it was more me just being with myself, being out in nature, um, no longer, no longer putting myself outside for somebody else's wellness. Oh, I love that. I love that. I was giggling only because, you know, I dove deep as well and went and, you know, I, to be a yoga teacher, it's like 200 hours, right? Mm-hmm. I have like 2,500 <laughs> hours clocked in. I have, you know, like, you know, over that, I, I, ma- I was, you know, a, a master and I began to really, I worked with a teacher one-on-one and I sat with him and like, I really dove in in that way and a shit ton of therapy not a little bit of therapy a ton of therapy to sort of untangle so many wires that have been crossed in my brain Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and spending time by myself like you said in contemplation in meditation yeah well and don't you think it's funny that you know, we start on this and we, we dive into these things and we get to know the things and we take on, like, we learn different things, different skills, yoga, whatever it is people do. Like, and then the hunter knowing yourself comes from when you're no longer looking for yourself in those people. Yes. It's in the surrender. It's in the letting go. The tool or the technique is exactly that. It's a tool or technique. It's only when we begin to attach to the tool or technique that it becomes problem. So when that happens, you let go of the tool. This is like yoga, right? You let go. Eventually you let go of the technique or the tool so that you're just the state of being. Mm. 
but you have to go through that. You have to under have the deep understanding. You need the tools until they're no longer needed. Right. And that's, that's the bridge. Yeah. The bridge is finally creating and what I call ultimate self-trust, this ultimate self-trust that, you know, there's no external factor that I need to know everything about to know how I'm going to handle it. I only need to know me. I only need to know the desire in which and how I want to interact in this world. I only need to know about how I want to be living my life. Yeah. And, it, and as you said, it's not perfect. Right before we came on this call, about perfection right before we came on this call I was I said oh I'm having a day I have like I haven't had one Mm -hmm. in several years if I'm questioning everything in my business and what am I doing and you know I'm having this problem and you know and an older version of me would have catastrophized it sent it down this path I would have taken actions that were not productive let's just put it that way and or escapism I spent years in escapism versus just sitting with it and being like, this is really uncomfortable and this really sucks and this is difficult, but guess what? I'll get through Mm -hmm. because it's not perfect. There is no perfection here of a state of being, Oh, I'm going to live in the Zen world. And I think that there is, there is this thing and it's marketing. Hello. It's marketing. No matter what it is, whatever the brand is, it's Mm -hmm. uh, your brand of it. It is bliss, Nirvana, whatever it's marketing, Mm -hmm. but it's not truth. Mm. So like, that's interesting to me because you're, I mean, like everyone knows that the truth is, is that everyone's life sucks every now and then we have ups and downs. It's the beauty of being human. It's the beauty of living a full experience of life. Right. And yet we continue to try and believe that it doesn't exist because we don't want to then see it in ourselves. And so if we just keep having false positivity, if we just keep saying it's all going to be okay, and yes, will it? Sure. Like, and yet at the same time, when you can sit in those places, when you learn to sit with yourself, there's no fear of sitting anywhere else. And for me, I had to learn to sit, but not wallow. Oh, you just needed to dip your toe. That's what I tell my clients. Don't jump into the deep end. Like, don't dive down in there. Because I would have a tendency to go all in because I am a perfectionist. I'm going to be the most perfect. I'm going to be in it. And then I would sit and wallow, Mm -hmm. circle in it, rather than feel it, let it go, and move through it. Mm -hmm. And that was the cycle, the shame cycle Mm -hmm. that I was in. I would shame Mm -hmm. myself. Now that nobody else is shaming me, or I no longer, actually, it's more like this. They're still trying to shame me, but I no longer allow anybody to shame me. Mm-hmm. Well, I sure as hell can shame the, the hell out of myself. Well, again, such a great student, overachiever, such perfection in self-shaming. I mean, like, that's what we are taught. We are given it, like, food. Like, here, it's your fault. Yeah. You know? And you're right. It's like you and I, we, we do do similar things foundationally with people and it's teaching them how to move that energy through their body, teaching them how to create um, the reduction in this nervous system. So it can start feeling the way your body wants to feel good. Yeah, It does. I love that because I don't think I knew that for a long time. Mm-hmm. And how would we? 
I mean, again, like if everything that you and I are saying, we know it comes from somewhere because we were taught it. And so it's like, even if someone is wondering, how do I get started? Just listen to what's coming out of your mouth. Yeah. It's the path of unlearning. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's easy and sometimes it can be fun and sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's painful. It's all the things, but it's not just one thing. What's fun for you now? Well, a microphone is fun for me. (laughs) I love me a microphone, like getting up in front of people. That's fun for me. As you're on one. I love Yeah, of course. Um, I think fun for me now is, hmm, I want to say full expression and just living how I want to. It's fun for me to ride my bike. It's fun for me to get outside. It's fun for me to push limits push ideas like do we really it's fun for me to explore and play with possibility and it's fun for me to teach people how to get out of the system so they can do whatever the they want i don't know does that answer your question that that, that really does answer my question in in, in lots of fun ways i i asked that because i think that there's a light there's a tunnel that you can be in and it can feel really dark and it can feel like, Oh, I'm not sure how to get out. And all those tools that we were talking about help you get out. But on the other side at that light, there is this like really fun life to live. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you're in the darkness, you can forget how fun life can be. Mm-hmm. And so I asked you that question as the flashlight shining, right? Mm. The fun, the joy of life. I know for me, it was really hard for me to find joy for a really long time. And even this year, I've realized, oh, I'm not finding the joy in that. Why am I doing it? Why am I still doing that if I'm not finding joy in it? Because yeah. At 50, almost two years old, I'm like, I'm seeing time go. So what the hell am I doing spending it not feeling good? Exactly. Yeah. You know, there's a um, a bike trail here, and it's an old train tunnel that you ride through. And at the end of the train tunnel, there's some light. And at the other end, there's light. But in the middle, it's dark. It is dark. And we, every time I go through there, I am get high anxiety. I'm like, shit, I'm going to wreck, and no one's going to see me. Because even if you have a bike light, it just doesn't really help all that much. And what you're talking about is you know, on at the end of that, in that light, but in that middle part, it's so dark. You just have to have the faith and you have to have faith in yourself. I mean, like you can have faith in the universe. Of course I have it. God, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, I don't really care, but it's like, no, breathe, keep going, slow pedal strokes, communicate with those around you, keep moving through. I mean, those moments of heightened awareness of like, oh shit, like those are some of the things that must be traveled through to get to that joy. And I, like you, haven't been joyful a lot of my life because I was taught I was never enough. So why would I be joyful? And if I was joyful, then I had to be joyful in the Lord. I had to be joyful in a different way through someone else or because be joyful for them. It wasn't being joyful for myself. So learning to be joyful for yourself is huge. For me, because what I, I think somebody who maybe knew me from 30 years ago would say, You're jo- you were joyful. You were fun. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? And sometimes I presented as joy. 
Mm. Oftentimes in, in a mask, it was, I had the mask of joy that I could just mm. put on. But what was happening externally wasn't necessarily how I felt internally. Mm. And that's the difference is that the mask of joy is no longer on. If it's not coming from inside out, it's not happening. Mm. I'm not going to pretend in that way. So I really truly have looked at, and this is, you know, like manifestation 101, what brings you more joy? Mm -hmm. Do more of what brings you joy. Mm -hmm. And if that's riding your bike, if that's being on a mic, if that's, you know, being incredibly visible in the world, if whatever, however, that's helping others, whatever that is, because when you're doing more of that, that's when people are going to be drawn to you and attracted to to, to who you truly are. Mm -hmm. Because it's easy in many ways to get fake intimacy, fake connection, particularly in mm. the world more and more and more. But that true, that, that deep in your soul connection you're having with people, that's where it's at. Well, and we kind of circle back to how you get that is by having deep intimacy with yourself. Yeah. And I mean, like, what a gift. What a gift that we can access within us, right? And and to know that there is plenty of it. I actually think that's one of the things about being a gay person or a queer person, an LGBTQ member, is that because we have been othered in many ways, it actually, for me anyway, required me to know myself better. It asked that of me in a way that maybe I wouldn't have experienced had I not been. Mm -hmm. And I think it's such a gift. What a gift. Mm -hmm. What a gift that I, and this, this is going to maybe sound cuckoo, whatever. What a gift. Even the abuse that I experienced, even, those are all gifts. I can now say that and see that because without them, the deep well of experience, of wisdom, of knowledge, of what I have to share and offer the world wouldn't be the same. Mm. Wouldn't be the same. Yep. I can deeply resonate with that. And if there's people out there struggling with the trauma that they've experienced, the one thing I do want you to know, because everything shapes us, right? Nick, like every, every experience that we have influences us in some way, but you do not have to use your trauma as the reason that you can now care for yourself. Oh gosh, no. I had right? to learn to care for myself before I was able to love the trauma. Yeah. Right. Cause it's like, yeah. And, and I don't need to use that to justify what I want to do in my life either. And I think that sometimes as a therapist for the last 25 years, I see people using that trauma as a reason and that, that now they can say, well, because I experienced that I can have this. Uh, I just want then Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Okay. But to know that that you have all of those things that you truly desire already. And it's just uncovering those. That's what, that's what we help people do. Right. Yeah, it is ultimately. Yeah. Okay. 
Three questions. Oh no. <laughs> First thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. First question. Who would you love to collaborate with that you have not yet collaborated with? Oh my gosh. Honestly, like, I don't even know. We would have fun collaborating. We would have fun collaborating. We are currently collaborating. Yeah. And I've been Um, on your podcast, so we've collaborated. But, you know, I didn't realize this was going to be a tough question. Well, I I honestly don't know because I don't think about, I, I guess I don't always think about that. That is so weird. That's a really, that's really good for you to think about then. I was like, you know, people say Oprah or, you know, or Brene Brown or, you know, or whoever. But, you know, Nick is a good one too. I'll take it. I guess that's a manifesting thing I'm going to need to take. Well, there you go. And here's my second question that connects so well to that. I can't even believe you just said that. The second question is, what is your next great manifestation? Oh, my next great manifestation is on a stage with like 3,000 people in the audience. That's my next great manifestation. I see it. I see that. That's done. Yeah. Done. And my final question for you is a fill in the blank. Dang. I am. I'm fucking free. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's really good. Nobody has used the F-bomb after it. (laughs) That's a new one. And I have to say, it's so fitting of you. It's so right on. (laughs) That's awesome. Remember when we were on my podcast, you're like, hey, can I cuss? And I was like, yeah, I've already cussed like three times. (laughs) Yeah, and I hadn't even realized it. Yeah, that's awesome. So, okay. Speaking of your podcast, you have an amazing podcast. What is the name of the podcast? How can people find it? And how can people find you? So the name of the podcast is Road to Radical Visibility. So we talk all about um, becoming radically visible. I just got done interviewing this fabulous person. Maybe you know him. His name's Nick. His episode's going to be coming out um, this next week. And you can find it on iTunes, Apple, Spotify. I also have a YouTube channel, Rachel Freeman Sowers, and you can look there for all different kinds of things that I'm doing. And for future collaborations with uh, likely yours truly. So we really (laughs) appreciate having you here today. And by we, I mean the collective, because anybody listening to this is also appreciative. And uh, I also thank all of you for spending your time, like I said, at the top of this, because I know how special that is and I don't take it for granted thank you for being an amazing guest oh my gosh thank you I can't wait to I can't wait to do it more (laughs) yeah we will see you on the next episode